Hey guys, welcome to the Not Too Popular Podcast, a podcast giving a platform to the most unpopular opinions in our society. Maddie and I met over our mutual love for water. Yes, you heard that correctly, water. And we quickly discovered our similarities and differences. Because we're often told that we're too feisty or overly opinionated, so we decided to flip the script and use our voices to create a platform for strong opinions and personalities. Our goal is to ignite hard and respectful conversations about anything and everything. On the Not Too Popular podcast, we talk about everything controversial, from food to politics. Join us as we get real and honest about touchy subjects, keeping an open mind and open heart to new ideas, opinions, and experiences. So what were you telling me about these sugar daddy cookies? So this happened a few years ago. I was 18 at the time, and I was technically a junior in college. I was in a storm. In our business college, we had to all take a marketing class. And my teacher took it upon herself, or my professor took it upon herself to make the class quite a bit harder. And I know this because my roommates were in the class at the same time, and their curriculum was a lot easier. Um, And one of our projects, or really our main project for the entire semester, was to come up with a business and a business plan, as well as the marketing plan. And we were at a Christian college, and I think everyone in our group was a Christian, but we were at a fairly liberal Christian college, and we decided to make our business uh, Sugar Daddy Cookie Company was the name of it. And our tagline was the father of them all. We had different cookies that were all like sugar baby themed. We had sugar baby, sugar daddy, um, and all like kind of sexual references. (laughs) And for our final presentation, we brought in a bunch of cookies and like told them the name. And it was really fun. We actually got a really good grade, which was really hard with that professor. She was known for grading really roughly, especially on women. She told us at one point, she was like, this is the real world. Like you're going to get judged more harshly as a woman, which isn't okay. As a professor, you shouldn't judge anyone or grade anyone differently based on their gender. Yeah. But she gave us a really good grade and said that basically sex sells. (laughs) And our like target market was towards Christian colleges and Christian students because of like the sexual repression that you get as a Christian. And I mean, most of our class was Christian and they loved it and thought it was a brilliant idea. Sex sells at a Christian school. What what do you know? Before we dive deep into this episode, we want to quickly tell you a little bit about how all the magic happens. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, hands down. Let me explain. It's free. Need I say more? There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. No fancy expensive microphones or recording studios required. It's a great way to get your podcast started right away. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard instantly on popular podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. The best part? You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. (music) 
So did you, you mentioned you went, you went to a Christian college. So did you grow up like just going to like all Christian schools, like middle school, high school, all that? In a roundabout way, I kind of did. I went to public school, but it was a public charter and it was in a very uh, suburban purgatory area of San Diego. And so I didn't know a lot of non-Christians until high school. And even in high school, it was a lot of Christian students. Um, I think in the time from like first through eighth grade, kindergarten, I was homeschooled, but first or eighth grade, I went to a charter school and in fifth grade, I was in a class with one atheist. And other than that, we were all Christian and Catholic. So even though I went to a public school, it kind of felt like being at a Christian school. Oh, and so what was that like? Like you, so there was an atheist and, but everyone is predominantly Christian. So what was that experience like? So let's just say there's a Instagram right now about this school system or this network of schools, all about the trauma people have experienced going to it. Oh, wow. And so like looking back at the time, I definitely had my frustrations. Like there was this one huge church in the area where pretty much my entire class was going to. And it was almost like if you didn't go to their church, you weren't a Christian. (laughs) No pressure. That specific church. Yeah, like no pressure or anything. (laughs) And the church was almost an hour away from my house. So like you, you can't be judgmental of me for not being able to go to a church an hour away from me. Uh, but apparently I wasn't a good enough Christian for not going to that church. And so it was a, now looking back, a more intense experience than I realized. And I definitely had heard, because uh, I had gone to a different public charter that was a little bit, a little bit less conservative in high school. But a lot of my friends had stayed in that um, charter school system. And I had heard some like really intense stories in high school about how the Christians were treating people in that school and how the staff who were also predominantly Christian were treating people. And so to have this Instagram account come up with all of this trauma from these schools is not shocking at all. In fact, I kind of like am surprised it didn't happen sooner, but some of the stories were a lot more intense than I thought they would be admittedly. And funny enough, like that church that I mentioned that most of my classmates went to, that was an hour away from me. It's one of the largest churches in San Diego and they also have a trauma account. Uh, And I would say it's 10 times worse than the school that I went to. So that's how it went. Not great. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, that sounds like kind of intense. Yes. So was your kind of like just your upbringing was centered predominantly around your faith of Christianity? Yeah, it really was like politics. And I remember one time I was sick. I don't remember if I had a fever, but like I was really sick. And my parents still made me to go to church on a Sunday because I didn't want to get childcare. <laughs> and so I think like I, I never liked cough drops or taking medicine. And they like gave me a bunch of like hard candy to suck on so I wouldn't like cough over everyone in church which is still a lot like an extreme way to go like just stay home and you know not go to church for a week it's fine and I remember like my parents admittedly have gotten better over the past few years but 
they had a friend who like during football season wouldn't go to church because the Chargers were on and the Chargers <laughs> were still in San Diego at the time and people still actually like them and like now and um my parents were like he's backsliding and they would say that every year and I mean I don't even know what backsliding means like I never heard that a term it's a term Christians use for like when they're backsliding on their faith with which I guess is like what we're going to be talking today about uh like deconstructing but that wasn't the case at all he just liked football and was still like focused on his religion but it was an important aspect of his life was watching football and so there was a lot of like judgment going on of like if you weren't a good enough Christian then you were backsliding or you <laughs> I mean I've been called the heathen like twice in my life on unironically or a heretic several a, a lot of times including this week I've been called a heretic which is basically like a fake Christian and I don't know the exact theological definition of a heretic but you know like the the judgment of like you can be a Christian but you have to be the perfect Christian or you're not a Christian oh so it's it like kind all of what nothing. it felt like yeah yeah exactly and you had to like dress modestly especially for women like there I don't think my brothers were ever really told how to dress modestly but that was a huge thing growing up is like what modesty means and what I've come to realize with modesty too is like in the bible it really isn't about how you dress it's about a heart issue it's like are you prideful are you seeking an intense amount of respect or um attention from people it's not about how you dress, but it, that's how we were like made to believe that it was, modesty was about how women dress and they weren't allowed to wear crop tops or they weren't allowed to wear shorts that were that much, like a few inches higher than their knees, or they weren't allowed to wear dresses that were higher than knee length or even like wear a lot of makeup. Like that was all about modesty because you didn't want to cause like a male counterpart to stumble is a word that they used a lot that you didn't want to get make men stumble stumble oh I have not heard that before yeah and that would be like backsliding or sinning and it, it was a lot about like it's the woman's fault if a man messes up it's it's never there was never like uh I don't know how to describe it but like it was it was everything was about the girl and like if anyone ever messed up if you were raped like the immediate question would be what were you wearing Mm, yeah yeah and so like I've had my own issues with sexual assault and I would never feel comfortable talking about it with a pastor or my parents because it's like that wasn't my fault but I know that would be their immediate reaction was it was my fault yeah and then you'd get judged like it was yeah yeah and like I was assaulted you know like that's not my fault (laughs) yeah that's like I mean a problem with other religions as well is that you know like Muslim it it's very Mm -hmm. like always the woman's fault the woman is supposed to cover up and you know be, be seen not heard but barely even really seen and yeah I don't I don't subscribe to that at all. And that's actually like a little bit of the part of the reason why I wanted to start a podcast is kind of like my own healing journey of, I never felt like I had a voice and never felt like I was respected or heard, especially in my own family. And 
kind of trying to learn how to speak up for myself and share my opinions in a way that was safe and comfortable for me, but also give other people a platform that haven't had that before to be able to share their perspectives. Because I, it's not just me that has been through something like that. Like men and women alike have been put in positions where they were made to feel like their opinions or voices didn't matter to the people around them. Yeah. And it's hard when, you know, obviously if you are one religion, then you raise your kids to be that religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me personally, if I were to have children, I would give them the tools to like do their own research and figure out what works for them. If you ever have kids, how would you raise them? Would you raise them in a, in a specific religion or are you just going to let them kind of figure it out for themselves? That is a good question. And I've thought a lot about this over the years. And even when I still considered myself to be a strong Christian, it was something that I struggled with because I, at the time, was seeing so much hatred in the church and knew that I didn't want to raise my kids to be like that. And so kind of the way I view it now is I want them to have all of the resources at hand to understand as many religions as possible and including atheism and more science than I was raised with. And so kind of giving them that option of like, yes, I'm going to teach them Christianity, but I'm also going to teach them about the Hindu Buddhist and Buddhist faith or even the Muslim faith and like giving them the opportunity to learn and grow as a person and grow into their own in a way that I wasn't given. And I mean, to the extent that like I worked in full-time ministry a few years ago, like I started going to Christian camps when I was nine and would do that probably like one to two weeks every year, um, maybe even like two and a half weeks every year. And same with my brothers, but we don't always go to, I don't think we ever went to the same camp. Maybe my brothers went to camps together, but I kind of always went to a different camp. And then I started working at the same camp that I went to when I was in high school, I think when I was 15. And then when I was 18 and 19, I worked in camps um, in the same camp that I kind of always went to. And honestly, those were actually really good experiences. Like I have some gripes about Christian camps, but most of that came from camps that I went to within my church and not like external Christian camps that like I am still very close with the camp that I work to and with a lot of the staff there. But when I went to camps that were like involved in my church, like youth camps or youth lockdowns, I, I'm going to share something that like I saw on Twitter this week from Ope underscore I'm underscore gay. And I think his name is like actually Jimmy or something, but it's, it was kind of hard to find his name but he said I don't know what youth minister needs to hear this but cry night is spiritual and emotional manipulation stop manipulating children it's disingenuous and leads those kids into years of shame trying to capture that same euphoric exhaustion high they can't ever catch it again because it wasn't God it was all the sugar and sleep deprivation then you'll wonder why no one keeps their faiths after high school and what cry night is for someone who's never been to like a Christian camp and I think this is one of the better things that like the camp that I went to that was separate from my church, even though it was still Christian, they didn't really do a lot of this. But every time I went to a camp that was within my church, they did this. And it would be like basically the entire week, which is super fun and lighthearted. You know, you would have your Bible studies in the morning and then devos at night or whatever around the fire. But it was never, it was always like light 
and fluffy, but they would exhaust you and they would give you, allow you to eat like foods that you weren't normally supposed to eat, like very high in sugar and not good for you. So you were just like hyped the entire week and probably not sleeping very well. And then the last night of camp, usually the last night, maybe second to last night, they would have like this intense night around, usually around the fire where there was a speaker and a really emotional story and the worship would go a lot longer and the lights were really down low and kind of creating this like, as he said, like euphoric moment where you kind of like feel like you feel God. But honestly, even if like it was God, it was just heightened by the fact that you were just like, they, they created an environment for you to feel something. And so for years, kids seek this out and then they can't find it again, except for at what we call this camp high. Mm. Um, and like you would come down from camp in like the best mood and then the best place of your life. And then a week later, you're like, what the fuck? Why am I like depressed again? Yeah. <laughs> and like, they're not able to catch up to that again. But like camps really do create like a unique environment and then to have this like cry night where it's basically like replicating an ex- a spiritual experience where it might not even be a spiritual experience. You're just literally so exhausted. And then you create like, if you've ever been super tired and then you like have a good, like watch a movie or something that makes you cry. That's kind of the feeling is like, you haven't, like I have really bad insomnia. So every once in a while, I'm just like, including today, I'm just, I'm exhausted. And if I were to watch like, a sad movie right now I would literally be bawling yeah because sleep- it just makes you more emotional yeah the sleep deprivation has probably a huge part in that <laughs> in yeah that exactly where it just creates this like incredibly emotional intense experience and so it is and I don't think any youth minister or youth pastor or camp director actually recognizes that this is spiritual emotional manipulation I don't think like it's just such a traditional experience in the Christian culture that needs to be reformatted in a way that is realistic for the real world and healthier. Yeah. Um, Because it is manipulation. And I just don't think that youth ministries recognize that it is because it's just, it's always been done. They did it when they were in, in high school or middle school. Um, And so it, it just feels like what you need to do, but it creates such an intense experience that they keep trying to find that again. And that was like a huge part of my high school is that I had this maybe like one or two really spiritual experiences and I would get depressed because I couldn't find that again. Yeah. And it came to the point where there was like, my parents were really big when I was 18 um, my brother was still living with us. And I remember them telling him like, if you live in our house, you have to go to church every Sunday. It doesn't have to be our church, but you have to go to church. They kind of chilled out about that right around the time that I was, had to move back in when I was like 19 because of, um, chronic pain, but they, and part of the reason they couldn't really enforce that anymore at that time is because I couldn't really go to church that much because I was so sick. Um, but when I was, like 16, 18, I remember that was a big thing of like, I had to go to church, even though I didn't go to the same church as my parents, I had to go to church. So when I was like 17, 18, there was like a six month period where I didn't go to church. I would just go to a coffee shop and hang out by myself and like decompress from the week. But I had no desire to go to church. And I had kind of come to the conclusion during that time that I was an atheist 
And then I remember there was this one time where I was like, I really miss that spiritual feeling that I had in high school. Like, and I, it felt like I missed God. And so I was like, well, if I miss God, then I must still be a Christian. So I started going to church again after that. And that led me to going to a Christian college, which I actually had no real strong choice in going to what college. Like my parents just told me, this is a college that will pay for you to apply for. will help you pay for it if you go to this college and if you go in one of these three schools. So I had the option between teaching, nursing, and business school. And I would have hated to be a teacher or a nurse. So I went to business <laughs> school. <laughs> and I picked marketing because it was like, eh, everything else sounds boring. Like marketing at least sounds fun and creative. What I really wanted was like to go either the academia route with like astronomy and stay, like get my PhD, be a professor or to go into what I am now and code. And so I didn't really get like the choice I wanted in college, but it, that like that experience is like, oh, I miss God. So that must make me, I'm a Christian at made me not hate the idea of going to a Christian college so much. Um, and thankfully, one thing that was really interesting about going to a Christian college is that my roommates were all like not really Christian at the time. And I had five roommates. Like one was an atheist, maybe two were atheists. And then one was a pastor's kid who was kind of like, I need to separate myself from the church. And one was also kind of in a similar boat, except her parents was kind of similar to mine of like being hyper-religious. And she's like, I need to, I need to take a break. She said, I will be a Christian someday. I just can't label myself that. And she is a Christian now, but she was like, at the time, she's like, I'm just not in the place right now to call myself a Christian, but I will get there eventually. Um, and she actually gave me a lot of good advice about deconstructing my faith. When that process started, I had gone through so much, like after that one year of college, because I had gone into college as a junior. I had graduated high school as a junior in college. So it was a little bit of a different experience to be like 18 and kind of already having to think about what I'm going to do after I graduate and like internships. Like I kind of never had the true freshman experience. And then I had to kind of drop out of school because I was going through so many health issues. And after that year of health issues, I went to go visit her and I had a lot of time to think when I had back surgery and was going through chronic pain. If anything, like I basically had a year of time where I was just like in bed or recovering and didn't really have any like friends to support me because all of my friends are Christian. And like a thing about Christianity is like, if you're not going to church every Sunday, you'll realize really quickly who your two friends are. It's kind of like a cult. Like if you're not there, they are not your friends. They are not like the people who call you called family are not there for you all of a sudden. And so I had like two friends from church who were still checking up on me and they're still super close friends of mine today. But other than that, like they couldn't come visit me because I kind of lived in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and so I was just alone and had so much time to think about who I am as a person and what I want my life to look like. And that kind of has led me to my career now, but also what do I actually believe? And that's yeah. kind of like the story about how the deconstruction process started. But I went back to Arizona where my college was after kind of like a year and a half of hell. And I don't think my room, my old roommate had known a lot of what I had gone through. Cause I talked a little bit about it on social media, but like, I know, you know, I'm not super active on social media. I'm fairly private about what I'm going through in real life. And we had 
we had time to catch up during the, the like five days I was in Arizona staying with her. And that was like the time when I realized that I was deconstructing my faith. I don't think I had put words, that word into what I was, what was happening until that happened. And she was like, you know what, Maddie, you're like, cause I felt super stressed that it was such a long process at this point, like a year and a half of basically not really being involved in religion. And I felt like it needed to happen sooner. Like I felt like I needed to make up my decision. She was like, take all the time you need. Like you are, you have a lot to think about and it doesn't need to happen right away. You don't need to come up with an answer right away of who you are and what you believe. And it was like during that week that I realized what deconstructing, and it is like the proper term of um, someone who isn't just like overnight, like I'm not Christian anymore, but like this constant thinking about everything you've learned throughout your entire life or throughout your entire religious experience and um, kind of forming your own theology. For some people, it's forming your own theology. And for some people, it's breaking down their entire religion and coming up with a new life philosophy that isn't based around religion. And it's messy because construction is messy and like tearing down buildings. is messy. It's like a, a hard process and it can take a long time. And as with like any construction process, there's a lot of roadblocks in the way. And like that timeline that you expected a building to be built, isn't going to be built in time. And so I still consider myself like I'm 22 now. I started this when I was 19 and kind of even 18. Cause I went through that period of being an atheist where for years now I've been deconstructing and I'm nowhere near the finish line. I still have things where I'm working through of like, do I believe this? Do I believe that? And the answer is that I've kind of grown comfortable and that I don't know. I don't know what my beliefs are and that's okay. I don't know if I ever will. And I don't know if I'll ever say like, I truly do not believe in God. Um, Because a lot of my struggles with the church are not about a God It's not about what the Bible teaches. It's about the church as a whole and how they use the Bible against people and as a form of hatred. Um, Because like the Jesus that I know in the Bible is very different from the Jesus that we see in the church in America right now. Like this Trump church is so, they call it the Trump church because he's kind of like an icon for churches right now or an idol. Um, But like this Trump church is so different than the Jesus that I've known and read and kind of coming to terms with that. It's like, I can, is there a way for me to love who Jesus is and love God, but not want to be involved in Christianity because of what it represents? Like I've lost friends because not because of my beliefs and not because of me, but because I was Christian. Like they literally one of my roommates old roommates she met me she heard I was Christian and then she pretty much didn't talk me talk to me for the rest of the year that we lived with each other and I never even had like time to express my beliefs of like LGBTQ issues like I have always been an ally for the LGBTQ community and I just wasn't very vocal about that and that's like one of my biggest regrets is that I haven't been a vocal like Black Lives Matter supporter or LGBTQ advocate until like the past year. And that's something that I think I owe a lot of my friends apologies for is that even though I was on their side, even though I wasn't, even though I was 
supportive of a cause, it was very quiet. And is that really an ally if you are silent about issues that are important to you? Yeah, the whole, the whole Christianity, like, I mean, kind of my background in it is like non-existent. I grew up in like a Christian Catholic Mm -hmm. family, but not me. It just never, even I remember like when I was little, my mom like, oh, we have to go to church for like a holiday. And I, I mean, every kid doesn't really want to go to church, but it just, (laughs) as I got older and older, it just never clicked with me. And I never found like you know, that it was like my thing. And to me, like Christianity sometimes almost feels like, you know, like in high schools where there's like the mean girl click. And it's like, if you don't agree with everything that we say and Mm -hmm. do everything that we want you to do, like you're not in our click. And I think with that, it's like, you know, maybe because it's such, it's like a a hard group to kind of, to get in because they're, it's, they're so strict about certain things. And so maybe your friend kind of was like, like, oh, I'm going to, I just know she's not going to accept me for, for who I am. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's definitely been a thing. Like, that's not my only friendship. I had a really good f- close friend that I've talked with you about before in high school, who was just going through a lot in high school. Um, I think it was around the time we were 16. And I honestly didn't even know that she was going through so much and struggling with her identity And like, looking back, I wish I had been a better friend during that time and had been more supportive, but I just honestly didn't know and was so stuck in, like, I was so focused on school and so focused on religion. Like I was a great student and a great student, but I was so focused on my own things. I was so focused on training my horses that I owned at the time and going to school and going to church and being this good Christian girl who never did anything wrong that I wasn't that great of a friend. I wasn't a bad friend, but I wasn't like, I didn't have a ton of friends because I just didn't have time. And I was so focused on my own problems and my own, like needing to be this good Christian girl for my parents. Yeah. And and that's normal. Yeah. But I lost this friend because I didn't realize at this time, but she was struggling with her identity as like, if she were a part of the LGBTQ community and she had gone from being Christian atheist in like two weeks, like there was no deconstruction process for her. It was just like super Christian to not. And I had no idea. And almost like she didn't block me, but she did unfollow me and um, kind of stopped responding to my texts. And I had no idea for years that And I had kind of had to put it two and two together that it was like during this timeline that she didn't feel like she had me as an ally. And that is because like, I don't think I had ever discussed with her that like my uncles were gay and I loved them so much and never wanted them to change who they were because of my religion. And I regret that, that I regret not being a better ally because I, and a lot of it was because of fear of my parents. Yeah. Of like, And same with like being pro-choice. I've always been so scared to voice that because I was scared of what my pastors would think or what my parents would think of what they would say about me. And I've learned over the past few years is that I'm going to ruffle some feathers. I'm going to ruffle some feathers when I say that black lives matter to me or that women should have a choice over their body or that we are allowed to love who we love and be who we want to be. And 
those are not popular opinions in the Christian community. If anything, it would cause a lot of people to pray over me and be like, oh, she's backsliding. She's so worldly. All of these like Christian terms for like, wow, she's not a good enough Christian. Yeah, exactly. And that's just not the case. Like the case is I just want to love people the best I can. And like, that's what Jesus did is he loved people and he supported people and he gave a voice to women when other people wouldn't. He allowed women to preach and he supported people that didn't look like the typical Christian. If anything, like he spent more time and loved loved people in a more outward way when they didn't look like the typical goody two-shoes Jewish person at the time because like Christians weren't really a thing in his life. Um, and, and that's the person that I want to represent is this, like, I want to love people who don't look like the typical Christian would love. And I want to love them wholeheartedly and not with like, I love them, but I, I wish they weren't gay or I'll be praying you gay away or (laughs) no, I just love you. Like, I don't care who, how you define yourself. Like, I will love and support you no matter where you are in life. I will love and support you for your skin color. And I will like, if there is something, if there is someone that is like targeting someone because of who they are or because of their skin color, I've learned that it's like, this is the time to speak up and I have a voice in some situations that other people, people don't as a white, somewhat evangelical Christian. And I don't know if I consider myself to be evangelical or even Christian, but like I have a voice that some people do not. I have a voice as a straight woman. Like I have a voice to speak my truth as a person who just wants to love people well. Okay. Do you want to do, you kind of, we kind of skipped over some stuff. Do you want to do the wrap up right now? Yeah. Um, so I will I want to say a big thank you to our listeners for taking time to listen to my story of Christianity and where I am today. Um, although my deconstruction process is ongoing and probably will be for the rest of my life. Um, it's an important part of who I am as a person and who I am today. I am thankful for my experience with Christianity because it did teach me the beginnings of what it looks like to love the people around us. And it showed me the true heart of Jesus that the church really doesn't cheat teach. And ultimately also showed me that there are better ways to spread love and kindness to the people around us. So I'm so excited that with this platform that we get to share our personal stories and bring on guests that, haven't had that voice to speak up their stories and their truth and the opinions that have shaped them as people and as humans in the future. Okay, I'm going to end the... Well, thanks guys for tuning in to this week's episode of the Not Too Popular podcast. If you have a not too popular opinion on this episode or an episode topic, slide into our DMs on Instagram or Twitter and be sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast for new episodes every Thursday.